when, when he was asking me the other day, what's the record of so-and-so, I said, I couldn't tell you who's winning our division right now. I have no clue anything except what our record is. Yeah, I'm is. trying to think. I mean, it's not it's not like the NFC South is the uh, the powerhouse of the NFL, but, I mean, uh, I think the Saints are your are the team right now. I mean, they'd be the team in that in that division. They usually are. I need Gabe here. He's my fat guy. He's yeah. my stat yeah, guy. He has all the stuff. Gabe here. can tell us all. He, he's, ever, <laughs> he's like Google for football. So... <laughs> Well, welcome back to the other 167. Uh, Garrett Lale here with Pastor Ben Pierce Hello. again. Uh, yeah. Getting more and more excited we, about these every get, week. It's amazing. It's amazing. We're on another week. Another week. This is four, man. It's a month. I'm telling you, a whole man. Month. It's, it's, been, it's been a fun ride. And uh, to our 10 listeners out there, thank you. No, we're, it's 25. amazing. 25. It's amazing <laughs> how many people are listening. And I'm just tickled to death with it, man. That's, uh, it's just it's humbling at the same time. Hey, man, I, it's exciting. I hope that uh, more and more uh, will continue to. But uh, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a joy ride for me. Well, a, a bunch of people who are listening, you know who you are. I, I get a lot of texts throughout the week, and uh, they're, they're like we talked about last week. The real blessings to hear people responding to it and hearing what we're and, and it, just to know that it's people. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody's doing even listening, right? Yeah, and it's like, well, cool, somewhere. y'all. Yeah. Hey, yeah. My, my wife listens, and uh, she gives me comments, and hey, I'm I'm thankful. <laughs> it, it just means a lot to me, and I, it really does. It's cool. I want to address that real quick. Um, so. You said Renee thought we need to tilt the halo on you a little bit. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So I thought about that a little bit. That I understand where you're coming from, Renee, on that. But the thing is, we still need it there as a relative benchmark. We need if <laughs> yeah. we may. Yeah. This is this. It's not necessarily drawn to scale, she, but <laughs> she's ready to say that ain't the benchmark. Yeah, <laughs> we got to have somebody that's got the, the on there. So, um, so we've had my. We were talking about football as we got this thing teed up to here. We've. My favorite story of the week is our football game last week, the 11 year pop boys. We were playing a team that's pretty good. Now, we played them a couple of years ago, and uh, they destroyed us. And I didn't know if it was the same group of kids, whatever. Right. But I kind of got the sense from the coaches that this one was, we weren't, we had low expectations. But he's still playing them up real big, obviously, for the game. You're going to play your best. And um, with a minute and two seconds into the game, it was 16 nothing. We had had the ball three times. We had, we had the ball first. Uh, no, they had the ball first, scored first play. We turned it over on the second play. They Oof. scored on the third play. Oof. And I'm on the sidelines. They're trying to think of something. Yeah, hey, 39 more minutes of football to play. You got plenty of time. We got, yeah, that's 39 minutes to get better and blah, blah, blah. And I look up and it's 22 nothing. I said, okay, we just got to make that speech a little more dramatic now. And, and then next time I look up, it's 30 to nothing. It, it was 30 to nothing with probably five minutes to go in the first quarter. <laughs> But my favorite part of this, though, is the coach's son, who's the same one that made the big catch a couple weeks ago, right. was talking about. Yeah, he's a smart aleck, but he's right most of the time, so he gets by with it. Yeah, he comes jogging off the field, and head coach is there, and he says, "Talk to me, Goose. What's working or what's not working?" And he shook his head. He said, "Everything," and yeah. went straight to the bench. Didn't even break stride. He said, <laughs> like, "Everything." He went to the bench. No <laughs> scoreboard. Nothing is working. Yeah. It, the oh, the, the halftime speech was it's 44 to nothing. If it gets to 60, we have the option of quitting, and I'm not quitting no yeah. matter what. Yeah, that's right. That was what he said at halftime. Yeah. It's keep, like, keep, that's not them yeah. 16. But I was joking with a coach, uh, a, a different coach, about part of the way through it. I said, you know, these guys, they were a pretty arrogant bunch. And yeah, I said, you know, I, I said, this is one of those groups. I said, you would like to see somebody just beat their butts at yeah, one time. Just take it to them. He said, well, that happened last year in the Pop Warner Super Bowl. 
I said, oh. <laughs> okay. That's wow. the that's the level they're so they on. They made okay. it all the way to the Super Bowl. I don't know if it was the championship or it was just the national tournament in Florida, but they were at the national whatever it was. Wow. The you know, the, the equivalent of the Pop Warner World Series or whatever you want to call it. So golly. They were pretty good and uh they handed it to us pretty good. Uh, <laughs> well, I was I was in the same thing uh this week. I was uh Chaplain for uh, for what the local high school Fuqua and man we 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 were struggling. I think the team we played had more points than we had yards, and uh, it was forty seven to nothing. And I don't know, it was close to whether we had forty seven yards or not, but we just could not get off the line. It was just a, it was one of those where, like you said, what can we try? Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. <laughs> We were definitely the bug that night, cause um, and I, I still think though the team's gonna turn around. I hope we got like four or five more games, and maybe they can turn around and get ready for the next season. And the teams they play, they should be competitive with, but we'll see, man. We'll see. Did, did they have a pretty good start? I thought you said they got off to a pretty good start. Well, or pretty yeah, good. well, they lost a last second field goal to Middle Creek, uh, seventeen to fourteen, something like that. And that was a game at uh, the soccer park in at Cary, and so that was kind of cool to play in that stadium with the mm-hmm. big screens and everything. And um, and they they lost that one. Then they beat Apex, which Apex was supposed to be one of the best teams in the area. And uh, we took out their quarterback quick, and that mm-hmm. that even the field, and we won. And then it, it hadn't looked right since. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's just um, and there's several things afoot in it. And like I said, I'm just a chaplain, man. I'm not a coach, so I I just uh, I sit there and I. My heart breaks for the boys because you, you know you got night you go out there you work hard then you go out there and lay forty seven to nothing egg yeah like, yeah that's frustrating and even with the group we're coaching it's the same kind of thing you hate to see them losing like that you know how much you're putting into it yeah, you and, they're, it, you and know? they're trying it's not like they quit I mean yeah. none of those boys quit and that's the thing is you know that, those are lessons you learn <laughs> sometimes in life man you know yeah yeah there's gonna be times when mm, might be easier to quit no we ain't quitting. So you learn perseverance and, um, you know, being, being a chaplain one time, I want to chaplain a team that is actually good and we get to go, like, deep into the playoffs and win a championship or something. And uh, may, I don't know if they give out high school, class, uh, you know, state championship rings. I'm, if we do, I want to see if the chaplain gets one. I bet we don't. They probably say, you got to pay for it. And I'll be like, I don't want anyone that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not that important. That's yeah. just, it's ceremonial. Yeah. I got a picture of it. Yeah, that's, that's good enough. <laughs> well, um, I guess we can talk about God a little bit, too, while we're here. Yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> why not? Why not? Um, I'm excited about, I think, what we're going to talk about. I think we, we, we So you made a big mistake last week, and I knew you did it when you did it. Um, after the show, right. um, we're leaving here, and you said, hey, man, that, that was a good question you asked me today. If you have any more, you know, things like that hit you yeah, throughout the week, yeah. you sent me, and I said, okay, oh, yeah. all right. Yeah. It's like I said, so, man, I, I don't come in with a pre, pre-agenda. I like, I like to, all right, you bring it up, and we'll see where we go from there. Well, by Thursday, I kind of thought, well, that's seven topics I've sent him so far this week. I guess I can let him go prepare for Sunday first. Which, great job, Sunday. I was I really oh, enjoyed that heart, man. I, I really enjoyed that. It was that. a good time. Communion's always one of my favorites. And uh, that's one of those that, uh, man, the Lord's Supper usually is just a, a, a good, you don't have to preach a full, full-fledged full sermon. It can be the compact one. So I, I enjoyed that week just to catch your breath a little bit. I'll barricade off this rabbit hole if I can because I don't want to necessarily go there. But one of the things that I really um, enjoyed from the service or, or was, I don't know, it got me, uh, got me thinking, I guess, a little bit was what you said that, no better the, the the verse is no better love than to lay your life down for 
someone you love. Right, right. But you said we were enemies with God. We weren't right. the, the friends. We were right. the enemies of God at that time. And I thought that's a complete that changes the perspective of that entire thing an awful lot when you think yeah. about it that way. And yeah, and what what, what you're talking to is uh, Romans five seven mm-hmm. and John fifteen thirteen. John fifteen thirteen. No greater love does a man have than this to lay down his life for his friends. But Romans five seven says, you know, sometimes somebody might be willing to die for a good person. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but. But, you know, but rarely, rarely, if ever, is someone going to die for someone that's a scoundrel or a, you know, I'm not going to jump in the bullet uh, to save Hitler. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And and again, but then when you think about we were helpless, uh, we were were powerless to to save ourselves, we were were ungodly, we were uh, sinners, and, and yes, enemies, but yet in that, God sent his son to die for us. Yeah, it kind of kind of helps us to understand just how amazing that love is, and uh, and we didn't do anything to earn it. That's yeah. why, again, when we when we have this walk with the Lord, we need to always remind ourselves: I'm not earning His love, yeah. and I'm not disqual. You know, I'm not going out there and um, if I mess up or I, I say something I shouldn't, He's going to automatically. Well, I'm quit. I'm through with yeah. you, yeah. you bum. No, that's not God. God is very gracious and kind. At the same time, He expects His children to live a life worthy of that gospel. Mm-hmm. Which that therein lies the uh, the challenge, if you will. But then again, he gives us the strength to do that mm-hmm. through his Spirit and by his grace. So um, that that's been kind of a a key word this week for me has been grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Monday, uh, our senior adults go to the rest home, and we do kind of a uh, it's a it's a concert, if you will, but it's a choir concert and then I speak and then other people speak and and my message was on grace and I just had a good time just talking about it's grace that saves us it's grace that sustains us and it's grace that sanctifies us and uh had a good time. I, I used the illustration, and it's funny. You know, you got to know your audience. And so I'm sitting there with a group of, I don't know, 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds. Some of them may not know they're in the room. Some of them do. You know, you're, 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 you're at a, a rest home, so it's, you don't know who you're going to talk to. And I used the illustration of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. We know Ephesians 2, 8. It is by grace through faith you're saved, not works, lest anyone should boast. And and then uh, nine is along those same lines that it's not by, you, you don't have anything to brag about. But then verse 10 says that you are saved for works, not by works, but for works. And I use the illustration of a, a running back hitting that hole. And and I don't know if you've ever seen this, but man, a running back hits the hole, he's wide open, and then all of a sudden it, the, the saying is the turf monster got him. He trips <laughs> over his own two feet and falls. Yeah. I think oftentimes if we just focus on on eight and nine, we, we are hitting the turf. Mm-hmm. We, we have hit the turf monster. Ten is that verse that we need to focus on is our goal as Christians is not just to get to heaven. Good gracious. No, our goal is to live it right and live it and follow the Lord and grow in the Lord until we get to heaven. Yeah. And so when you know what your goal is, that kind of changes, okay, how am I going to go about today and what do I want to do to, to make this day count? And so we don't <laughs> don't trip over our own two feet. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think the the interesting thing about that is that there's probably nothing that you can do in the world more selfish than to follow the Lord and when you look at what he's going to do for you and how your mm-hmm. life's going to turn out as opposed to if you try to go do it your own way. And 
I got an a, a great A-B test of all time if, I, if my life is with and without, and it's pretty easy, uh, pretty, pretty clear evidence there which one works out better. Yeah. But, um, well, what I, everything that we've talked about so far, we end up getting into some pretty heavy-hitting topics, and that's cool with me. I enjoy mm-hmm. talking about them, but there's a kind of a lighthearted one that has some serious undertones to it for sure, but that's what I texted you last week. I said, you know, we tend to lose sight of how cool of a dude Jesus really was. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And, and, and I kind of... I wrote some numbers down. I never come in here with notes of any sort, but I actually looked some numbers up to <laughs> show prep. Show yeah. prep. Because these were pretty staggering. As I was looking, I was like, I don't want to, with my ADD, let's not try to wing this. Let's have right. some actual numbers to go off of. But I said to you the other day, Jesus developed a following of all time back when following. Nobody cared how many followers they had. Yeah. That wasn't a big deal. But it goes beyond that. He tri- he lived at a time with a relatively small global population compared to now, yeah. and it really didn't matter what the global population was. Because information moved as fast as the speed of a camel. That's, That's how fast it can move. Really right now it moves at the speed of light. Yes. Then it moved at the speed of a camel. So his opportunity to reach people was significantly different than what it is today. Yeah. But for fun. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. I used a couple of references here. So two of the more recognizable figures in our society today. Just to okay. kind of throw some numbers out there. Elon Musk, founder of Tesla, SpaceX, now the owner of Twitter. X. X. Yep, X. I'm, I still call it Twitter. I don't know how to call it X. But anyway, he has 158 million followers on a platform that he literally owns. He right. owns X. He has 158 million followers, and that's number one. Shout out to uh, Reese. I love you, baby. This one's for you. Uh, Taylor Swift. T-Swift. <laughs> you knew where that was going. Oh, listen, I, I have some Swifties in my house, and uh, they're now Chief fans. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 87. They got I 87 saw a great, jerseys. I saw a great meme the other day on Facebook. It was a picture of Aaron Rodgers and Taylor Swift, and it said one of these is a diva that NBC continues to show even though they're not playing football, and the other one's Taylor Swift. Yeah, the other one sells records. That's uh, right. Man, that I'll tell you what. But she has 273 million followers on Instagram. Right. So that's I don't know if that is the two biggest followings in our society, but, but those are two pretty good ones to use as a reference point. All right, now, this is the really fun subjective part. How many Christians are there in the world? Now, that, oh. you, that, that's a great one. So, yeah. depending on whether we're talking to Southern Baptists or Wikipedia, yeah. it ranges somewhere between 7 and 30% of the global population, more along, you know, somewhere along those lines. I'm not going to get into the ballpark of guessing how many there actually are, because yeah. that doesn't really matter, because even on the low end, that puts it at about 7 billion Christians all time out of 100 billion or so that right. live. Right, live on Earth. So, to put this in perspective, 7 billion versus 158 million, 200, all these are big numbers, and that's kind of hard sometimes to wrap your head around. So, I like to do this uh, as a way to scale down big numbers. 158 million seconds is five years. Okay, so if you take Elon Musk's following, and every single one of those followers represents a second of time, it would take you back to 2018. Right. If you play the same game with Taylor Swift, and this is where I referenced earlier, it takes you back to about Super Bowl Sunday of 2015, which was a year before the Panthers lost theirs. Um, But on the low end of 7.7 billion followers all time for Jesus, that equates to the equivalent of 244 years worth of seconds, which takes you back to 1779. Yeah, we're just now. And if you want to go Wikipedia and have a more uh, open-minded view to what Christianity is, 30 billion all time, which translates to 951 years, which gets you back to 1072. Right. So, not doing all that just to say Jesus has a lot of followers, so right. he's a man. But, again, back to what we said before. We, 
this is where I kind of originally brought it up to you. Religion as a whole, and I'm not trying to necessarily knock religion, although you and I have had enough conversations about this, I think I understand where you kind of stand on that, that religion kind of gets in the way sometimes of people, if we're not careful. The, you know, that, that's not something that's, easily. It's, it's a, I think it's a phrase that people in society think if somebody's a religious person, that's a complimentary, they're a righteous person. It doesn't necessarily mean that to me. Yeah, it depends on who the, it's an interpreter, eyes of right. the interpreter. But with that type of a following, we focus on the miracles, all the stuff that did, the power, the might, the yeah. all the stuff. And then if we want to debate people, if somebody want to argue with us, that's the first thing they do is, do you really think that your God could really do this, they could really do that, could do all these things? That's not even the point, though. God right. had been proving his might for right. thousands of years before that. We, didn't, we knew what he was capable of. Sure. He didn't send Jesus to prove his might. Mm. He sent it to prove his heart. To demonstrate his to love. To show his love for us. He demonstrates his love for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us, Romans uh, five eight, which we talked about Sunday, yeah. and and as we enjoyed, you know, thirty two to thirty four years of of this wonderful opportunity to see the heart of God, right. we immediately turned back around and said, "No, did you see him do this? Did you see him do that?" And that's all we really talk about. Right. But think about it. you you don't get seven billion followers of all time without having without being somebody that can relate to people. That people right. And I asked you the question, I don't think I really want to go here on the show, but <laughs> part of me does kind of want to, what would Jesus be like in today's yeah, society? I don't know. That, that one, I, I've thought about that one a but, long time. Of what would he be like today? And I, I think oftentimes what we fall into is a trap of, we, we tend to make, you know, when God created the earth, Genesis 1, 27, he created man in his own image. We, we tend to create God in our own image. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is we want to craft Jesus to be either a Republican or a Democrat. <laughs> or he is, uh, he'd be a Redskin fan or he'd be this fan. Yeah. And we want to make God and Christ into our own image when I'm, I'm not sure he would be that. And, and to answer that, the more I thought about the, the question, because I was like, golly, what, what, what would he be like? And really, and here's the, I don't know if it's condemning or if it is, uh, hey, this is what a wake-up call. If you really want to know what, what Christ would be like, the answer should be found in the church. And sometimes, it, most of the time, it isn't. Mm -hmm. Because if we're living like Christ and we're walking by the Spirit, as Galatians says, and we are walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, the, the fruit of the Spirit, then we would see Christ. Now, again, not, not on the same level, but you would see Christ-likeness. And so my answer to that would be, man, I, I thank you. I, I would hope you'd be able to look in the church. But then again, is that, is that a good yeah. answer? And I'm not sure that we can say that. Um, I think the other thing to think about is this. I mean, every time you see, a lot of times when you see Jesus doing a miracle, he casts out a demon uh, out of someone, and he tells them, don't, don't go and tell nobody. You keep this moment's word. He would heal a leper. Don't, duh. He wasn't here. I, I, I'll just be honest with you. I don't think he was here to make followers. Uh, I think he was here to make disciples. And there's a big difference because, look, he could have easily, my, my goodness, just walk on water once or twice, you'll get several million followers, even yeah. in a small world population like that. Uh, but but he, John 6, after he fed the 5,000, uh, you know, he, he basically ran his those those folks who were coming for more bread and more fish, 
He ran them off saying, no, you, you got to, this, this, what I'm calling you to is, is dying to self. What I'm calling you to is a lot more than just, you know, being here for the, for the miracles. And man, when you begin to think about that, I mean, he could have had a ton of followers. He had enough that the leaders were worried about him, but I mean, he ran off a bunch of them in John 6 and several other places that when he begins to tell you what it is to really be a follower, mm-hmm. and then maybe that's the thing is maybe we need to use the disciple. When you got to be a disciple, it's dying to self. It's taking up your cross. It's, it's, it's following him and not looking back. Yeah, that, that, that's where the cost comes in. And I think that's where you kind of separate maybe a, a fan. And I know um, there was a book written a couple of years ago, not a fan, uh, but, a, but a disciple. And maybe that's the, the catch there is the uh, difference between a disciple and maybe an a interested person. Well, and I think that actually it's, it's a really good segue back to, I've thought about this so much, it's just a matter of when we're going to say certain things. But that's one of the things I was going to point out at, at some point is that 158 million people following Elon Musk is not 158 equivalents of a Christian, right? Right. The the commitment you're making to follow Elon Musk on Twitter is not exactly, or on X, is not exactly the same thing. I might just be looking at stock tip. That's 158 million people who have said, I'm interested enough in this character that when he says something, I would like to see it in my feed of other things that I see this. Same thing with Taylor Swift. No, the commitment to follow Jesus. That might be a little bit different. Some of them, some of them T Swifters, man, they that's like a cult. No, I didn't say that. My daughter killed me. He didn't mean that, sweetheart. But I will say, I will say that girl, golly, she could do something, man. Uh, Or better yet, just say something bad about T Swift. Oh yeah, watch the Swifties come out. They were. But you know, we don't give a okay. I I, I use the analogy of okay. Well, what would Jesus be? This is not a a deep answer at all. But if you ever. we again, we think about the powerful figure and all that kind of stuff, but he was kind of, I hate to use this term so loosely, he was kind of a rock star of his day. Like, you, yeah, you're talking about really the crowds was. he had following and things like that. Everybody all right, went. so if anybody's ever met a celebrity, and we've usually had different you know, opportunities where right. you're at to meet a celebrity, you've probably had both of these experiences. You've probably met some celebrities that were complete jerks <laughs> sure. and kind of left you thinking, man, yeah. I really wish I hadn't met them because they kind of ruined my yeah, image that, of them. No, yeah. And then there's got others, there's others that you meet that, you have maybe three minutes with them, and you're like, golly, I didn't think they could be any cooler, but I actually like them more after that. I, I believe Jesus would be the ultimate of that. All my analogies stink when you break them down that way because you can't it, – it's, it might be true, but it's on a, such infinite scale it no longer matters. But take that as like the, the, the most uh, revered figure in your society, and he's as cool as he can be and talks to everybody the exact same way and treats everybody the exact same way and just has that caringness and that heart. And if you ignored religion, ignored Christianity and the names and the labels and all this kind of stuff, if you just lived your life by those principles, Mm -hmm. you will live a more peaceful, more harmonious life, treat people better, have better relationships, all these types of things, even if it didn't have anything to do with with Jesus. Take the miracles out of it. I said to you the other day, yeah, walking on water and coming back from the dead after three days does help grow the street cred. I'm not going to say it doesn't. (laughs) But there's actually another angle on that. Back to the followers and how big of a, a figure he was in that time, how easy do you think it would be for Elon Musk or Taylor Swift to dupe us into fake miracles and all that kind of stuff? Like He had eyes on him all the time. Right. These right. miracles, if you, if you want to come at me and say, well, they're not pop, they couldn't have happened. Well, everybody in the world saw yeah. them at yeah. that time. So it's weird. It, it kind of goes in a weird, a weird backhanded way into it. I'm not saying I'm 
proving anything by this. Right. I'm not trying to prove anything by it, but if you're just wanting to go scientific fact for fact on this, I'm looking at it and thinking he made a heck of a good case yeah, <laughs> for right. what he was I mean, what he was doing even without the supernatural. And I and I think the thing of it is those, those miracles were there to to prove, hey, this this is my son, this is God's son. At the same time, he again he wasn't he wasn't looking for the fame and the fortune. Or you know, because you can make make a follower out of anybody yeah. if you got the right charisma, if you got the right. Because let's face facts. I mean, you're right. I mean, I think Jesus was most one of the most personable people. In the fact of look, fishermen love to hang around him. I don't think they're they're, they're they don't think they were the uh, cut sitting in a boardroom type people. They are the normal, everyday guy. And you got people that, uh, you know, you got a woman caught in adultery. You got a woman at the well. You, you got lepers that nobody wanted to be around, but yet Jesus took the time to be with them. Uh, and at the same time, uh, he was condemning to some of the folks that were, you know, thought they were all that. And so I, I think you would see, uh, definitely, if he was here today, I think you would see a humble uh, a humble, caring, loving, um, at the same time, uh, holy and righteous. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot that would go into how do you how what would he be like? And uh, and and there in there in turn goes back to man. I hate to put it on us, but man, shouldn't shouldn't we kind of sort of be a little bit like that? Now, again, I'm not going to be that all the way, but still should see some of those characteristics. This is. Um an interesting question because I have a feeling that the answer is going to be very obvious, mm-hmm. but I don't know which it's going to be. So I'm going to feel like it's, <laughs> I should have known it, but um, I, would it be fair to say he would probably be considered a pretty controversial figure in today's society oh, with yeah. some of the stuff he would well, say? Well, he would he be was a lightning, then. Right. He would be a lightning rod for yeah. criticism. I, and I think it would be one of, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, even even he himself said, I, I didn't come to, to basically make peace. I, man, I came to divide. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fine line. You're going to follow him or you're not. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it would be one of, uh, yeah, I think he would be definitely uh, open open source for criticism. Yeah. And, and I hate to say it. If, it, if it played out like it did the first time, I hate to say it. It'd be, it'd be a lot of times. It might be the church that was more criticizing of him than anybody else, mm-hmm. uh, because it was the religious and the Pharisees and those who were, who knew the scriptures, uh, or thought they knew the scriptures best that Jesus had the most run in with. That he also said, "You really don't know the scriptures, do you?" I think that's probably not even a controversial thing to yeah. speculate on. I think that's exactly how it would play out. I don't see how we're any different it's, now than we were then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, th- you stop and think about it, I mean, there are some folks that uh, the word religion, they, they have made that their God in the fact of, you know, I've got to do all these sets of rules, and if you don't follow these rules, then you're not as good as I am. And by the way, I may mess up once, but pff, you messed up three times. And that's what legalism does. It, it really does. It creates a I'm better than you because all I've got to do is beat you. Well, if that's the case, then golly, what did Christ come for? And, you know, as I said Sunday, Christ didn't come for all those who have all their stuff together. He came for those that were broken, those who are hurting, uh, those that, uh, you know, aren't, aren't the, uh, the perfect ones. I'm gonna, I got my analogy. I figured out how I was going to, this is what I would say to religion. And, uh, I'm gonna be honest. One will say it's not the nicest thing in the world to say. So this, you know, I, I, I understand that. But you know what religion is? Religion is Eagles fans. 
I cannot oh, stand the to Philadelphia our fans Eagles. in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't think we have fans in Philadelphia. <laughs> no. We're safe. That's one that we can agree on. You're a Redskins fan. I'm a Panthers yeah, fan, but no, I, I hate the Eagles. Eagles. I hate the Eagles. They're on and TV you know what, all the time. I don't hate the Eagles because of their players, their owner, their coaches, anything like the that. Fans. I hate them because they're fans. The most obnoxious uh, fans in the world. Well, I hate the fans and the <laughs> they win all the time. That too. But that's where, and I could also actually use Cowboy fans in the 90s, you know, because they won a lot, but boy, their fans were not a lot, whole lot of yeah, fun to be around. Don't get me started on Cowboys. I think that's how Christians are, though. We've got this great team that we support, Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But boy, we sure are cocky about how good our guy is compared to everybody. And we're awful great because we pull for this team. Well, what did you do? You didn't play? Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> and it is. That's a, I think and then we right. get the really fun ones where you've got Eagles fans fighting with Cowboy fans. That's your Baptists and your Methodists and your Catholics and your whatever else. I mean, like, <laughs> or two does, it, does it matter? Yeah, or two Baptists. Yeah, yeah good y'all, point. Man, y'all act like you got some sense. <laughs> but, but it is. I think that's a good analogy because we do. We, we think because we've been redeemed, we've been saved. We, and we and let's just face it. I mean, special? we've kind of yeah. figured out something about life. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's a secret to life, but through Christ we have found purpose and meaning and everything else but at the same time there, there should be that uh, that humbling of that uh, that no you you may you the Lord called you into that and saved you but you did nothing to earn it and so so therefore what what's the the arrogance there and and yeah I think that's a, a pretty good analogy is we do get that uh, that big-headedness about us that okay we somehow or another we we've done it yeah mm, no we're not not coming anywhere near that. Being, being close with Jesus is kind of like having a cheat code to life in a way, but it ain't your cheat code, right? Yeah. Like you don't, well, you, you don't get any credit for things that, that it's his, he, he gave you the code. He's the one telling you what to do. That's it. <laughs> He's the one who, who accomplished everything for yeah. it. And so, yeah, it, it, you know, and the thing of it is, is understanding that even if you do have that cheat code, we, we still struggle. And, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Uh, we're going to have pains. We're going to have losses. Uh, we're going to have uh, times when life doesn't make sense. And that's that's when, okay, that's when your faith really comes through when you're walking uh, with the Lord is those times when it feels like your legs have been kicked out from you that, okay, now I know what it means to, to lean on and depend on Him. Yeah. Because I think oftentimes in the good times, we don't necessarily do that, and, that, and that's really what, 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 what the call is, is when we die to self, then go to him. I don't think I used this, uh, this story on the actual show. I've said it, but me and my kids were watching Christmas Chronicles a few weeks back, okay. and, and there's a scene in there where Santa Claus is just throwing the kids out of the sled. Have you seen the movie? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, he's just like, throw them out and put this toy in there. Like, it's a you know 500-foot drop. He says, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. And he throws them out, and then he throws them a parachute, like a, a magical parachute appears as they're falling down. Okay. But by the end of the sh- of the movie, the kids who were scared to death in the beginning, they're actually like, wee, and they're having fun, and they're fine right. because they trust you. They develop that trust. That I look, I think that that's kind of like what it's like to be a Christian sometimes. Some of those early one, those early ones, you're like, well, you do what now? Yeah. You're going to do what? And then after a while, you develop that trust that, you know what, he's never let me down before, and if he wants to throw me out of a burning building, we'll figure out how this some is going to end. Some it don't matter. Some, yeah. His promises Maybe, are going to be if, true. If he's sure going to throw me out of a burning building, then either he's right. going to, I'm about Something's to either see a miracle, happen. or I'm going to meet him soon, and that's he can explain it. what happened. But you're right. But that, that's, that's, the, that's a good point of, hey, the more that you want with the Lord, the more that you can trust him and know that. No, his, his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And does it mean I'm always going to have the, the ease and the easy lifestyle? Absolutely not. But it does mean that he's there for us. And I think um, you asked another question throughout the week, and that was one I was kind of, my mind was going towards was, was uh, you know, uh, that that worry and that doubt when we have to make decisions, mm-hmm. you know, you you were talking about yep. that, and I think that kind of plays into what what you just talked about. 
Well, worrying and then also analyzing the heck out of things. See, yeah. that's, the, that's the one that gets me is overanalyzing. Yeah. Just, I've got to know everything. I've got to need every piece of detail. And honestly, I'm an observant person. I'm a, I, I, I notice data and information and stuff everywhere in case I ever need it, right? right. So it's like, it's all, I've, I've got all this stuff I'm collecting all the time. And then when I get into a situation, I can, you know, just, I can paralyze myself for a week analyzing crippled, it. Yeah, crippled and, from the data. And to me, if you come at me and say, well, that's not, you know, you're worrying, Garrett. No, I'm not. I don't think I'm worrying. I'm just making sure God God has a plan, but he needs to make sure I have my ducks in a row to kind of help him know, you know, yeah. make sure I've got the best version of it. So, yeah, how, what is the response to that? Because if you can, I, I, I'm starting to work around the how to not worry. Right, right. right. But the analyzing is a slightly different, very, it's like a cousin to worrying to me. I don't necessarily have to be worrying if I'm analyzing, but the more I analyze, the more I tend to worry. Well, I think there's a couple of words we got to throw in there. Uh, as we said a couple weeks ago, the scripture says, uh, be anxious in nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, make your request known to God. So, so don't worry. Well, but there's a difference between worry and concern. I mean, let's, let's face facts. I'm concerned about my children. I'm concerned about, you know, the future. I'm concerned for where we are as a country. But at the same time, I know who's in control. Mm-hmm. And so being concerned does not mean, and I think there goes, uh, you know, not worrying does not mean not, not aware. It doesn't mean of uh, not looking to see all of what's going in and analyzing as you said, I think where, where we oftentimes get into trouble is when we analyze to the point of, okay, God, I just don't see how you're going to do this, and we begin to go towards that doubt. And, and I think therein lies, you know, once, and I thought, you know, way, the way the, the, we, we talked about it was, okay, so I made a decision. Uh, you know, now, now how can I trust him? Or that, that time of, okay, now I made the decision, now everything plays out. And that, that sometimes is where we kind of tend to want to take, take over or we tend to want to jump in and say, well, let me, I made that decision, but let me now do this. And, and I think it's one of, that, again, it goes back to that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an illustration. I think, I hope this will play out. Um, this, this was early in our marriage. Um, oh, I, I love I was, where this is going yeah, already. Was, we don't know how it's going to yeah, turn out. We're uh, talking about marriage. Is, this is good. <laughs> I, was, I was asleep one night. And I heard somebody, and I didn't know. Uh, I, I just heard somebody in the in the in the den, and it kind of startled me. I was like, you know, who, what's going on? You know how when you mm-hmm. wake up in the middle of the night, you and you're tired, and it's like I don't know if I can get out of bed. Your body's just saying I ain't getting up. Yeah. Rest, you tell your legs move, and they're like, Mm-mm, we're no. not. <laughs> and, and and I sit there and I said, well, is somebody in the house? I got to check, and make sure. You know, hey, I got to protect the house. And I listened, and all of a sudden I could tell. Uh, all of a sudden, my fears were subsided. You know why? Because I could tell by the way the person was walking. I knew exactly who it was. It was my wife. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she wasn't in the bed beside me, but I could tell by the way she was walking and the things and just their steps. And, you know, that's that's pretty cool that if you know somebody well enough, you can tell their steps when they're walking down the hallway. That's 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 You know them. Well, the more that we get to know Christ and we recognize his steps, and even if it's a scary situation and one where we tend to worry, that's when we need to be able to hear and listen and see. Or maybe there's little things here and there that we're saying, oh, no, I see God's hand. I see, I hear his footsteps. I see this. And you begin to see, okay, God's still there. 
God's got this, and and you and you depend on that, and, and that's where again in that that moment of of angst or that moment of uh, Lord, what's happening? Being able to discern His voice, being able to to recognize where He's working, and then saying, "Hey, man, if He's done that, I know He's going to do the rest." It's always recognizing God's signature in a way, and throughout different parts of your life, like there, there's just those little things that it kind of you you can just see that that's Him, like He's yeah. here in this. It's just a it's a subtle little, yep, I'm here. We're good. You know, but, but when you know it, yeah, and, that, you, you and that, know, that's right. the key is yeah. being able to know him yeah. and being able to see those little little footprints, little little fingerprints, if you will. I mean, I, I, I sit there and uh, we're in the middle. I mean, just using this as an illustration, we're in the middle of, um, we had a, <laughs> some major sheetrock damage, sheetrock failure in our sanctuary, and we're having to raise funds. We're having to do this. Well, God's already provided so much that I'm saying, okay, Lord, I know you're going to be good for the rest. And I've got some folks that might not be as uh, sold on that, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm sitting here saying, well, no, he never let us down. He'll, he'll yeah. bring it when he brings it. Yeah. And and you see little, maybe it might be just a, a phone call. Somebody calls and says, hey, we're going to do this, or this is going to happen. Or you, <laughs> I hadn't seen this about yet, but I'm hoping that it will. A vendor calls and says, hey, we, we, we priced you wrong. <laughs> if we quote you this, it's going to be less. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to, you know, and that's where you just trust that. Okay, Lord. We've stepped out. We're going to do this. You're going to provide. And you begin to see little things that just confirm, yep, he's right here with us. Yeah. And uh, so being able to hear, recognize, and, and, um, and see him, I think that's, and again, that goes back to your walk, recognizing mm-hmm. it. I, I knew my wife well enough. I can, if I know him well enough, I, I'll see that. How much of, um, of our anxiety and our analyzing and all that kind of stuff. And again, I'm trying to figure out how to define or distinguish between worry and analyzing. And then anxiety is like a blend of that somehow, I think, that mixes in there somewhere. But with, I think what I do sometimes, I did this a couple of weeks ago when I said I kind of screwed up and, and you know, kind of felt bad. I rushed the decision. I was trying right. so fast to analyze it fast, get as much information, make a decision, move on. But I've learned something here lately that has been a really cool little trick that I didn't, I never thought about it. And it's not a secret to life. It's just a simple thing I never caught on to. Patience and just taking a little bit more time gives you one huge advantage. It gives you the opportunity to collect more information. The quicker you act, the, you, you, give, you forfeit that opportunity. Right. As long as you're sitting still, there's a possibility that something else comes along that helps you guide your decision so i think in in my what i'm learning to do by accident i'm not even trying this i think this is just one of those things god just learning by taking taking care of for me is that i kind of look at it and 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 say well can i do anything about it right now is this something that i can really control or could this wait one more day to make a decision on right and in and not not in a procrastinating kind of way but a do i have to rush this decision or could it could i give Whatever you want to insert here, give God, give time, give whatever, more time to give me what I, you know, give me more information, give me an answer, whatever. So is there something behind that, I suppose I'm saying, is that I don't think that's saying be lazy and don't make any decisions, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes just take time and understand the decisions that had to be made to yeah. right this second, right today, whatever. Well, and I think, I think a lot of times it, it all depends on what you're deciding. You know, uh, look, if it's a, a major life decision, yeah, I want to take the time to really pray, really seek the Lord, re- really, really get before him. If, it, if it's something that's not as a big decision, okay, let, let's still still go before him, still, mm-hmm. you know, pray about it and seek the Lord on it. Uh, but but I don't think there's ever, I mean, I think that goes back to what um, what the book of Psalm, uh, whether it's Psalm 40, several other Psalms, all throughout the book, it, it's going to have weight on the Lord. Those 
those who wait on the Lord will and it be blessed, or those who wait on the Lord will, and and it's always something favorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, waiting waiting on the Lord is is really that's what it is. It's not a uh, just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. It's seeking Him, knowing, okay, Lord, when you give that answer, then I'm going to respond. And uh, that waiting on the Lord is difficult, though. And uh, but if we can perfect that, that helps us in those decisions. So I'm going to try to find something here that I wanted to get into. And I, this is what I was doing a minute ago. I got distracted because I wanted to, I had this in my notes or something to ask you about at some point and I, for, I, I deleted it. Okay. But um, actually, rather than me trying to scroll through it in, I believe it was Mark is okay. where I saw this. There's a point where it, I'm paraphrasing again. That's why I was trying to find this so I wouldn't paraphrase it. Right. But basically if God knows what's in your heart. God knows what you want. If you pray for it and you believe, you will receive it. Mm. Okay, and and tell me where that's from, and give me the actual quote for the verse, and I'll pull it up. But I think that's something people can take too literally right. about. Okay, well, if we if I pray for God to give me a million dollars, and I really mean it, and I believe that He's capable of doing it, He'll give it to me. Well, if you go through life with that that outlook, you're probably going to be displeasantly surprised that, or unpleasantly that, surprised. That is the, uh, that's the theology that's called name it, claim it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and unfortunately, there are some pastors that actually preach that. Uh, when, when Jesus says that in John, and I think you're, oh, you're in John. Okay. at John 14. You can find it there, John 15, when he talks about abiding. But John 14, he talks about he's going to send the Spirit and ask anything in my name. And it will be given unto you. Mm-hmm. And I think therein lies the, the whole thing is, it's in his name. And ask anything in my name, and it will be given to you. So so it needs to be in accordance with his will, in accordance with what he would want, in accordance to what what is what is what God desires to happen. And so, yeah, man, hey, look, man, I, I, I'm ready for my Corvette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, that, that's not... Uh, I'm not going to waste frivolous time on or frivolous prayers on that because, Lord, I think there's something more important than Corvettes, uh, uh, such as uh, people coming to know Christ, uh, us becoming more like uh, more like Him, growing in our faith, praying for our children, praying for the church, praying for. There's more important things that I believe are on God's heart, and I, and I think therein lies a, a big piece of this too. Is we find what we find so important. I'm not sure God 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 puts that much value on it. Yeah, that was another one I thought of with the kids the other day when they were aggravating me about something that was absolutely irrelevant. Like, can we have a sleepover this yeah. weekend of October? And I'm like, right now I'm trying to get to football practice. We're 10 minutes late. I'm trying to break. I, and that's right. today. So, so sometimes it's like, I do not have time to deal with it right now, and it's not important to me. And I think... Yep, God says that to me sometimes yeah. too a bit, you know. And sometimes He does tell us to wait. Yeah. And sometimes He tells us that because He, I always like to think of it this way. When when He tells me to wait, I oftentimes in my mind think about, okay, He's working behind the scenes on things I don't even know about because I'm going to ask for this because this is what I think ought to happen. And again, remember, prayer is not me telling God what I need. He already knows our needs. Yep. It is not me telling God what He needs to do. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. But so, what is prayer? It is me finding out God's will and then aligning myself to it, bringing myself in line with it. So that's how I, as I try to wrestle with that and say, okay, well, how could that be? There's got to be a way that this makes sense and how it's reconciled. It's real simple. If you know, I think that's only true if you know God's heart and what you're asking for is aligned with God's heart. Then yes, you will get whatever you want because right. that's what He wants. But if you go to Him and ask Him for things that are not aligned with His heart, then you're not going to get them. Right. So. This is way oversimplifying it, but could it be? This is not. This is this is oversimplifying it so much that it's clearly wrong. So tell me why I'm wrong. 
it can't be as simple as, well, if I prayed for it, then it must have been, if I didn't get it, then it must not have been God's will. And if I did right. get it, then it is his will. Because we probably need to learn how to cut bait with some of those and not pray for them anymore if we can kind of say, it wasn't his will. Maybe I should stop praying for that. Mm-hmm. But that gets balanced against patience, too. Maybe it's, I just need to keep having patience. Those can be yeah. tough. I even see you nodding like, oh, yeah, I don't know that one. That's, that's, that's no, a big I one. I think that's, you're right. I think it's oftentimes that's what God does is, is, is be patient. Hold tight. Uh, because oftentimes what we, what we think is going to be the, the answer to the prayer, God has so much more and bigger than we could ever thought or imagine, Ephesians 3.20. Uh, and I think therein lies sometimes he, he's got to help us to see that we want something bigger mm-hmm. um, or we, we need to be asking for bigger. And I always challenge people of what are you praying for right now that you know only God could accomplish that? Because that really should be the the uh, God-sized prayers we're praying is, uh, Lord, would you, you know, um, change this? Or, Lord, can you move, you know, uh, make, make this church more obedient? And, Lord, what, what more, more disciples? You know, that, that, those are the things that uh, God, God tends to help, need to help us to see. That's what we really need to be asking for. That's a really interesting point that I've never that, – that one kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit right. there. So you're saying – when we're, when we're praying, I mean, we talked about giving the small things to God, too, and nothing's too small. We talked about right. that a couple of weeks ago. But that's a good kind of thing to think about. It's like, yeah, you need to be praying for the things that you can't control that are in, that are, that are, that only, God can re- only require, yeah, that, that only he can do. So does that shorten your prayer list, or does that just make you realize that you have more dependence and that there's a lot more things that you have to ask for there, right? Yeah, I think therein lines the, uh, the whole... What, what I've been trying to, you know, help, uh, you know, come, come at is show me your prayer life and I'm going to show you how dependent you are on God. Mm-hmm. If you're not much on praying, then I doubt you're much on depending. Because yeah. uh, you can go through life on autopilot. You're going through life the way you want to. But it, you honestly, you break it down to, all right, how dependent upon God are you? It's going to show up in your prayer life. By Lord, man, this sermon, Lord, this Sunday, I, you've got to show up because, Lord, I, in my own strength, I know I can't do anything that's going to matter. And so, Lord, it comes down to you. And so, really, prayer is about dependence. It's helping us to realize just how dependent we are uh, on a Father that loves us. I find it, um, I'm so bad at oversimplifying things to keep my mind straight, but when I'm praying, I catch myself so many times. And, I don't, again, I don't know if I've said this recording, but I think I've said it to you privately. I catch myself constantly saying, please, God, help this to happen. And then I'll think, well, no, because he might not want that. I'm okay, well, please help this happen. And, and I'll play this game for a while, and then eventually I'll just say, you know what? Your will be done. Amen. And I think therein lies. I mean, you see this in Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Your will be done. Mm-hmm. He could have easily said, Lord, I'm not going through with this. But he made his point, and then he said, but, Lord, your will be done. And I think that's where you, you really have to uh, – get yourself to because that's really uh, again prayer is lining up with his will right and so your will be done we get to that place to say whether it costs me or whether it's good for me or whether you know it's good bad or indifferent or it's great for me lord i won't uh, and i think the other word we're missing here maybe this is a word we need to throw out is it always goes back to his glory Lord, Lord, I want I want you to be glorified here, not not so I can have an easy life, not so this works out, but Lord for your glory. And when we when we are consumed with His glory and Him getting the 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 fame or the recognition, yeah, that that now we're talking. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever used this illustration with you or uh, on this. I'm trying to think through the last four weeks. And sometimes, you know, when you talk at various places, I've got a lot of <laughs> illustrations. But I remember um, uh, when my kids were little, uh, they're grown now, but when they were little, uh, at Christmas time, one of my jobs was to help them to want what we were buying for them. Mm-hmm. All right. Because they may want a PlayStation 5. Well, mom and dad's budget might be on the PlayStation 3 level, Mm -hmm. or it might be on, uh, they want a uh, uh, Sega or an Xbox. Well, we might be in the PlayStation 3 (laughs) family. And so part of my job was, hey, kids, man, this PlayStation 3, we'd go and walk by it in the store. Look how, man, we can play this game. And Mm -hmm. and then, you know, hopefully if I did my job, they're saying, oh, man, I'd love to have a PlayStation 3 rather than the Xbox. Christmas morning, PlayStation 3. And yeah. there it is. And and part of that, sometimes I believe God does that to help us to see that what we want over here might not be the best, and it might not be what he has in store for us. So helping us to see that, Lord, we, we want that versus what, what we originally wanted. Well, and that's where it goes back to, to trust and dependence and surrender, I think, is mm-hmm. another one there, is that if when you have surrender, mm-hmm. you really... I hate to say it so simply, but you don't care as much about the outcome because you trust that whatever he's, whatever it's going to be, he's going to be fine. It doesn't matter. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like a football game. It. We're either going to win or we're going to lose. Right. It's, uh, it, okay, it's, it, it's, it's when East Carolina plays UNC for me. I don't right. care. I'm proud of ECU <laughs> if they win because they're right. the little guy down east that I went to school there. And I know those guys will have a good time tonight, you know, and that's cool. <laughs> but when UNC wins, I mean, that's where I, I grew up pulling for them. I'm not going to be mad. I, I usually end up going into the game if they play, pulling for whichever team needs it the most. Right. And at the end that's of the day, true. not really caring who wins. But that's probably kind of like it is, or maybe when both your kids are squared off in a, in a contest of some sort. I, I don't know. But I'm, I tr- I'm trying, or I'm, I'm not even trying to, but I'm feeling that more often. I can look at a situation and see A is this and B is very different from this, but I'm cool with whichever, whichever way it goes. Maybe Paul, maybe Paul summed that up best when uh, he was in jail. And uh, he was facing whether he was going to die or whether he was going to stay on earth and continue to minister. And he said, I win either way. Mm-hmm. For to me, to live is Christ and die is gain. So, all right, if you keep me alive, I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. i got churches I can write letters to. Yeah, I'm good. Keep me alive. Yep. All right, well, we're going to kill you, Paul. That's fine. <laughs> kill me. Yeah. I- I'm in heaven. And so I think it's one of those that when you when you get to that place to where you can trust the Lord that, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm going to trust him. Even if it is the hard, hard, hard things in life or uh, it may be a, a loss of a family member, it may be something tragic, I can still trust him. And that's, that's where, again, that's hard, but at the same time, you're trusting that, hey, even that family member, I'm going to see him again. Well, and, and what's one word, I know mine, I don't, don't necessarily have to be the same one as you would say, but I'm curious, what's the one word that you would use to describe a world that you live in where whatever happens next in your life, you're okay with it, whichever path it takes? What, 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 what's the word to describe that feeling? Ah, that's a great question. Um, for me, it's, I think it's uh, joy um, would have to be a word. Mine would be peace. Yeah, so I think peace, people, people look for peace and joy right yeah, in life. Okay, well. If you're not worried about the next thing because you know it's already taken care of, right. you know, I mean, it, it's incredible. I've, I've seen those things a little bit in the last little bit where it's just like, 
A and B are totally opposite sides of the coin. I'm cool with either one, whichever. Right. Bring it on. You know, yeah. Lord, you as long as I'm with you. And, and I think that's where, I, and I know you didn't like this phrase. I, 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 referred, I referred to myself, I think when we had lunch that day, I felt kind of bulletproof lately. Right. I know it's not a good term, but it is a peacefulness. It's just like, do whatever you want to to me. It right. doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm on his team. Whatever happens, happens. And it's, uh, I'm not there yet. I'm working on it all, right. you know, but sure. But that's the reason I say following Jesus is one of the self, most selfish things you can do is it gives you peace. You, if you do it the right way, you get peace right. and ease your life out of it. But it's also the most selfless thing. <laughs> it is also the most selfless yeah, thing you can yeah. do, right? I and, mean, and, and there is, and I think one of the things that And we, you can't do it for selfish reasons nah, and get yeah, the game. No, if you do it for that, at. then you won't get it. Yeah, that's but what you, I was going to get to. Is right. We need to make sure that... Uh, that we that we are following for the right. I just want to follow him for following him's sake. Right. Not so. Not because. If of, you follow him for a different reason, you right. won't get that. Well, and it's but, just like this. Look, I, if we make the end goal, I'm gonna get to heaven. Uh, yeah. Man, you've missed the the main part. The main part is between accepting Christ and when He calls you home. Man, figuring it out, walking with Him, seeing Him work. That's that's what our main main play is, if you will. Someone who accepts. Jesus on their deathbed at 90 years old mm-hmm. will be in the same heaven that we're in when we get there, but on, they had a rougher ride to get there in terms of what they had to go through, what they had to experience, all that kind of stuff, and what they had to, how they had to feel through it. Right. The experiences may not be different. They might have been a better experience than what, but they didn't have the same peace that you get, but, no, and, and no. just that. And, and in trooping on, I mean, you could make the argument, man, maybe they had a, uh, you know, having to, having to work all this out and everything else, the thief on the cross, man, he didn't have to uh, struggle with temptation much. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. But at the same time, man, he didn't, he didn't get to see God, uh, Christ and the Holy Spirit and all of his, what he can do for us and how he works in us. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't envy those guys by no means. Yeah. I sure don't want to take that chance. I don't know how people get through it. I really don't know. As, as hard as it is to get through life with God, I can't imagine how you try to get through it without, without it. it. That's right. It, it's, uh, that's mm. the scary thing about me. The, the scary part about me from, about hell is not the, the fire and all this kind of stuff. That would be bad. But I just Terrible. think of look at our world right now and take God out of it, what would it be? It's like, well, that's hell. <laughs> I think that's pretty much where we're at. Yeah. I mean, it's darkness. It, it's ugly. Yeah, you don't want to want to do that for eternity. That's no. for sure. No, that's for mm. sure. But um, but no, I think it's. Uh, I think we might be at a stopping point earlier today. We're at fifty three, and I think well, if we keep talking, we're just going to get back in a rabbit hole. But, um, but no, it's, I, it's always so good, man. Dude, I, I, it cracks me up because I do. I kind of peek down, and I'm like, dog. We're 15 minutes. We ain't even past point one yet. So it's, it's amazing how uh, the Lord Lord blesses us that yeah. way. Yeah. One week we uh, we got to the end of it and didn't, I didn't know it was the end, and it just kind of stopped. So uh, we're. <laughs> or if you had to sum up today's lesson, don't be an Eagles fan. Don't be an Eagles fan. That's right. That's right. You you know what? I, there, if you wanted a better model of it, I ha- actually knew a couple of Patriots fans when they were on their huge oh, run. Oh gosh, yeah, they but, were terrible. Well, they were terrible, but I actually knew a couple. That one of them was like. We don't really make a big deal about it until the Super Bowl because we get there every year. That's our game that matters, you know. Oh, yeah. But they were not as loud. Eagles fans are the ones that they just. But see, the thing of it is, Eagles have been bad in the yeah. past, and I remember those yeah. bad years. Yeah. But boy, they they forget they've forgotten those, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for uh, for them to go backwards a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So the uh, well, the Commanders now. Yeah. Redskins will win the uh, NFC East. Yeah. Well, they, that's. I'm still trying to figure out what to call the Redskins. I'm, I've said from the game, I'm calling them Redskins. Redskins. That's just that, Redskins. That, that's, I hope we didn't lose half of our 12 followers now. <laughs> They're all Eagles fans. Well, man, pleasure again. Yeah, man. Enjoy it every time, brother. Absolutely, man. Can't wait till next week. Thank you. All right, you. buddy. <laughs> see you, man. We'll see you.